Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and joining me, as always, are Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, how are we doing on this uh, lovely Thursday towards the end of the NBA season? Just a handful of games left. Yeah, the season winding down. Uh, it's it's going to be fun a fun show today because we're going to talk about some some bigger perspective topics kind of looking back at the regular season, the, the first season for, for Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, and then some discussion that I think is important for what this team's plans are moving forward with some of these players that, that they've brought in and, and are seemingly placing, you know, a significant uh, part of their future on. So excited to talk about it. And I'm stoked that we got all three of us here to do the show this week. That's always a bonus. And I'm glad we're all here to do it. I was going to say, Mike, you said, you said as all, always joined by Jasper and Aaron, but uh, let's be real. That doesn't always happen. So it is joined by one of them. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Pick two of three. That's what you're going to get most of these weeks, but yeah, it's great to be here. Um, Seasons definitely winding down. As you said, Aaron, we do have some numbers to get into, especially when it comes to the two bigs. Uh, I depressed myself plenty by doing that research this afternoon, but we do have the final four coming up this weekend, championship game on Monday. I am looking forward to those at the very least. At least we're going to get a little bit of good basketball this uh, this weekend. I mean, one of FAU or San Diego State is going to the championship game. So that in itself is is pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, if you're just a fan of basketball at all. If you're a fan of uh, not Blue Bloods making it, because it was very Blue Blood heavy last year. Yeah. That's the opposite this year. Well, um, I, I'm a big FAU guy. They I, I put a little bit of money on them to make the final four between before the uh tournament even started. So love my owls. Thank you, owls. You uh have <laughs> helped helped me with my my budget for uh going to Italy in a couple of weeks. So love that for them. Um yeah, betting. It's good sometimes, especially when it you is it, it is very good when you win, but it's also very good. When you use Bet Online, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online, and you'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. And with updated odds for everything from live games to that Final Four and the championship game, Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, just make sure that you use the promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to get that bonus. Again, that's B L 
EAV. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. BetOnline.ag starts. And that's where this podcast is going to start. Um, getting towards the end of the season already, as startling as that may be, um, our first topic is to talk about the two most impactful players that we've seen this season, arguably, and that's Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. They have been a bright spot. I think we've alternated talking about one of them every week for the past, I don't know, four months, it seems. So there was a little bit of trepidation getting Ivy and seeing Benedict Mathman play out of his freaking mind and thinking, oh my God, what have we done? But I think those fears have been quelled uh, with how well he's rounding out in a playmaking perspective and from a shot-taking perspective. And then Jalen Duran's been arguably as impactful as Jaden Ivey on the interior as a rebounder, as a smart finisher, as a good passer, and as a rim protector. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on Ivey and Duran. We've talked about them plenty. Every Pistons fan has been, I think, pleased with them. But uh, given the context of the draft and how that went down, I mean, obviously, hindsight 2020, Benedict Mathurin looks like, you know, a, a stud um, for an Indiana team that already has a, a, a very good backcourt starter in Tyrese Halliburton. They look like they just have a wealth. Uh, but Ivy's looked very good as well. So, Aaron, I want your thoughts first on Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran. Looking back in the context of the 2022 NBA draft and and how they have panned out for the Pistons in their rookie seasons. I think that both these guys, and I mean, it's it it kind of goes in line with what you you said when we introduced this topic. Like these are, you know, the two lone bright spots right now of the season for this team. And they've both really just found ways to improve throughout the season. I think Jaden Ivey is playing at a completely different level and is a completely different player than he was at the beginning of the year. And that's definitely not abnormal for a guard. Uh, You know, that transition from college basketball to the NBA, it's so difficult overall, but as a guard, as a guy that's going to have the ball in their hands a lot. And for, for for Ivy and what his season has turned into specifically, where a lot of the talk was it's going to be a little bit easier for him because he's going to be playing alongside Kate Cunningham. And he's going to have that guy alongside him to where it's not just going to be on his shoulders to be the guard, to be the playmaker, to be the scorer, to do all of those things. And Cunningham going down so early completely flipped that script for Jaden Ivey. And let's face it, you know, there were times throughout the year where he didn't play great basketball, but even at his worst right now, over this last month or so of the season, even his, you know, poor games, he is still one of the best players on the court. He's still one of the most productive players on the court for the Pistons. And what he is doing currently is, it, it's very encouraging for this franchise moving forward because he is showcasing the ability to do things that, quite frankly, I didn't think he was going to 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 be so good at 
so quickly. I mean, the playmaking, the vision that that he's developed and put on display, it's I mean, it's again, it's just so encouraging. I just didn't think he was going to be able to play like play make like this. And and I was someone that that was something that stood out to me, you know, watching his Purdue tape. It's like I get he's he's more of a two guard, but this is a guy that that can make some really good reads and be a really good playmaker at times. And he's been forced into that role this year. He's really taken it over post all-star break and he's just excelled at it. I mean, he's had multiple double digit assist type games over the last, you know, two, three, four games, whatever he's had eight, eight, nine assists. Like he's having really big distributing games and he's doing that while, you know, stride making strides as a three point shooter, you know, the percentage isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it's getting better. I mean, 36% in March, 42% in February. Like, the three-point shot has gotten a lot better as well. Ivy's had a really good second half of that season. That post-All-Star break season for Ivy, much like Kate Cunningham's rookie year, has been really, really strong. And what he's doing is so encouraging to what he can become for the Pistons moving forward and the type of player that he's already showcasing he can be in that fit alongside Kate Cunningham. Now, Jalen Duran, we're going to you know talk about him throughout the podcast. Uh, he's going to be part of our secondary discussion as well. But I've been really encouraged by him too, uh, even though it doesn't seem like the, the coaching staff really has at this point um, with the way that they're, they're managing his situation. I think Jalen Duran, you know, who certainly hasn't been perfect, by any stretch of the imagination, is still clearly the best big on this roster. He's better than Wiseman. He's better than Bagley. He was better than Noel when he was here. Like, he is the best big that this team has. And as the youngest player in the NBA, that's not insignificant in the slightest. He is showcasing some more offensively. He's taking some further out shots, you know, scoring in ways where it's not just a dunk at the basket, right? He's trying to do more. He's trying to take a handful of jumpers and score in different ways uh, that he wasn't doing at the beginning of the year. So it's kind of like Ivy in that sense where he's becoming better and expanding his game and doing things that maybe maybe we didn't expect out of him right away. There's been a lot of talk recently about how he's trying to model his game after Bam out of bio. And that's a center that he's watched and it's talked about. And that's a guy he feels like he can emulate and, Look, that would be great. I mean, he still has a very, very long way to go on both sides of the ball because his defense, no, no, much like the rest of the Pistons bigs, is not great. Uh, it's not as bad as Bagley or Wiseman, I'd say, but it's still not good enough. Um, and obviously, he's not the player that Adebayo is, uh, is such a well-rounded big on that side of the court as well. So I think that both of them have had really encouraging seasons. And for an organization that, hasn't had perfect drafts, right? There's the the first draft under Troy Weaver obviously did not go well. And, and the second draft with Kate Cunningham and Isaiah Livers uh, was, you know, you're not really be able to make any major uh, remarks on it right now because Cunningham's missed a, a lot of the year and you didn't get really see as much of Isaiah Livers as you'd like. But this is really that first draft where it's been so clear cut after one year, like this was a perfect, perfect Perfect draft for the Pistons. Like, yes, you could have gone met Ben Matherin. You know, yes, you could have gone Walker Kessler. But both these guys uh, in, in Ivy and Duran look to be super strong foundational pieces. And let's not uh, underrate the chemistry that those two are building together. You can see it more and more every game that they play. So very, very encouraged by 
by the season that Ivy and Duran managed to put together in what was a horrific year for the organization. Yeah, I mean, look, if you want to approach it first from a glass half empty perspective, you, you can say, okay, they took Jaden Ivy five, Matherin went six. Matherin is currently uh, probably favored to make first team all rookie over Jaden Ivy. I think, you know, Ivy is probably six in a lot of people's eyes. Matherin's five. You can look at Jalen Duran and you can say, yeah, Walker Kessler got taken after him. That is another guy that is absolutely going to be on the all-rookie first team. That being said, I think at very worst, you're coming out of this draft with the second-best guard and the second-best big man in both Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. And I think while there isn't quite the argument for Duran over Kessler at this point, um, I think long-term, there's still an argument for him over Kessler, and I think there's absolutely an argument to be made for Jaden Ivey over Benedict Matherin, not just right now, but in the future as well. I, a lot of people have talked, you know, Matherin's been more efficient. That's actually not true. Um, he's shooting worse from three than Jaden Ivey is. He shoots, uh, I believe, one or two percent better from two than Ivey does, but you look at their respective roles on their teams, it's completely different. I mean, you said it. Matherin has the luxury of playing next to an outstanding point guard, Tyrese Halliburton. He also has the benefit of coming off of the bench behind Buddy Heald, who is a threat. They can play those three guard lineups if they want to. So if you look at it from something like that perspective, I mean, Jaden Ivey's asked to play make. Benedict Matherin isn't. Matherin has a worse tone turnover rate than Ivy with significantly fewer assists. So you look at what they're both asked to do. For me personally, I find what Jaden Ivey's done this year to be more impressive. I think Matherin is a slightly better defensive player, but not so much so, more so to where you can say that, you know, the two points per game he scores more than Ivy and the maybe four points per game he saves defensively that Ivy doesn't. I don't think you can make up the difference in points from their assists in there. So to me, Ivy's been the more impactful player. He's been the better player in a far worse and more difficult situation than Benedict Matherin has been in. Um, I, I just want to point, push back on that. I, to me personally, I think Matherin, like if he makes all rookie first team, it's not a travesty. But me personally, I don't see how you could put him over Ivy. I, I don't know. To me, it doesn't make sense. Ultimately, you have to be very happy, especially considering that the Pistons only got the 5th and 13th picks in that draft. I think you have to be very happy with what you've gotten from Jaden Ivey, from Jalen Duran, and even more so than just the production, the improvement. It's exactly like you said, Aaron. Jaden Ivey's passing has gotten so much better. His three-point shooting has gotten better. His defense has gotten better. Jalen Duran, it's been a little different because the learning curve for rookie big men is way different than it is for rookie guards. But overall... Absolutely. You have to be thrilled with what you've gotten from both of those players so far. Yeah, and with the Pacers having a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, he, I mean, this is a to totally different... Okay, so Jay Nivey's growth would be different if he got to play next to Kate Cunningham the whole season. You're, you're probably seeing a different player. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if it's the if it's as much growth as we 
Okay. It's probably not as much growth in the playmaking aspect. He's probably playing a little bit more off ball. He's probably not being asked to facilitate nearly as much if Kate Cunningham's there. But without him there, he's just demonstrated for a good chunk of the season that the playmaking, and it's difficult. We talked about this for years, saying that rookie point guards or rookie facilitators have a very big learning curve. Those passing lanes close up a lot faster than they do in college. Guys are not open quite as often. He's demonstrated a skill set that makes him even more valuable once Cade Cunningham is healthy and back on the court next year. And and I that that can't be understated. He's been asked to do more with much less. And Jasper, like you said, that that definitely can't be understated. But with now with Jalen Duran and and Biggs. Aaron, I think Bam Adebayo is a really good comp for Jalen Duran, just from a rim protector and passer, smart passer perspective. By the um, by the way, Mike, I have to interrupt you. I have to say, I was the first person who said Bam Adebayo as a comparison. I said it, but when they drafted him, I said Bam Adebayo as a comparison. I'm just throwing. Okay. Okay. No, no, that's that's good. I I was not sure if you. Or the one that said, or somebody else in the chat had said, "Bam Adebayo," but uh, that looks like it's the. It looks like it's a pretty accurate comparison, so so far. Um, is this a good segue to talk about the two bigs, or do you guys want to do your stock up, stock down, or do you have anything else about Jay Ivy and Jalen Duran? It's just super difficult to analyze them fully because of who they're playing with. I just tried to look up the the two man stats with both of them on the court. It's it's not pretty because the other three players on the court are are, are not pretty. Um, I'll make so one it's difficult that. to gauge the the yeah. plus minus with Ivy and then Duran or then Ivy and one of Bagley or Wiseman. Him and Duran have it's still not good, but it's still the best plus minus of those three lineup combinations. So so yeah, that's 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 the way yeah, for what you will <laughs> by multiple yeah, points by, and. And we will get into the two bigs as a lineup combination as our second topic. But well, um, what, any anything else on Ivy and Durham? No, I, I, me personally, I want to get into this two big thing because I wasted about two hours of my life this afternoon <laughs> looking up these numbers and putting it all together. And wow, Mike, it is, uh, it's not great. Um, yeah, do you guys mind if I if I just start getting into it right, right now? Um, Aaron, do you want to do your stock up, stock down? I'll go real quick. I'll go real real quick, Jasper. So you can get so you can get into it. My stock up, Jaden and Ivy. Look at the last games that he's had. I know we just spent some time talking about him, but thirty two points, eight rebounds, eight assists uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks, and then twenty four points, nine assists, two rebounds, five of eight from the three point line against Oklahoma City. Just playing such encouraging basketball. Uh, to end out the season, really, really encouraged by what he's doing. My stock down is Isaiah Livers continues to have, you know, all the opportunity in the world. It's it's him and Eugene Omarue has the two wings on the roster right now. And it's it's not encouraging that Omarue is is standing out so much more over uh, Livers. Livers did not play well against the Thunder, uh, had nine points against Milwaukee. Um, you know, not a terrible, terrible game for him, but just sucks because like, I was hoping to see some sort of leap and there's a huge, huge, huge opportunity for him uh, to, to take on a bigger role with this team. 
and he's actually been you know somewhat healthy over the last two months outside of a short stretch where he missed some time so it's unfortunate that he hasn't really been able to string together uh, a two three week stretch where he's playing really good basketball and is making the most of that opportunity uh, but with that being said, uh, we we definitely need to move into this too big conversation because it is definitely uh, a, a very, very important topic that I know all three of us are looking forward to having. Yeah, uh, Aaron, I'd have the same stock up guy. My stock down guy would probably be Corey Joseph. Uh, he just hasn't been very good uh, over the last week. 36% from the field, uh, under 10 points, three assists. Uh, he just he hasn't done very much, to be honest, and he's been getting almost 28 minutes a game. I, you know, there's an argument to be made that last night, either he or Amarui was at fault for giving up the game-winning rebound to Jalen Williams. Um, but it was one of them, those two. I suspect it was Corey Joseph. So, yeah, definitely stock down. That was a that was a bad look from him for sure. But, Mike, if it's okay with you, I'd like to get into these two big man lineups because this has been a topic of contention amongst Pistons Twitter uh, since... The, the Pistons traded for uh, James Wiseman. Even before then, there was definitely talk about it with Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran, and Marvin Bagley all on the roster. Guys, these numbers are ugly. They are really, really ugly. Uh, I, I'm just going to get should, into like... Should, should we have a warning of there may be James Wiseman hate? <laughs> I, or discourse in any way? It's, it's not even James Wiseman. Yeah, there is going to be James Wiseman discourse. So if that is going to be too much for you i caution you uh well keep listening but just you know put your uh fingers in your ears we need those those great uh engagement numbers um no here here's here's the numbers so i'm just going to go into the good ones first these are the good two big lineups marvin bagley and jalen duran net rating of negative 7.5 and 74 minutes played positive rebounding rate 51.4 that's good Wiseman and Duran, negative 27.8, but they've only played 10 minutes together. Okay, let's look at the big two-man lineup, the one that gets the most play. Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman. In 157 minutes played together, they have a net rating of negative 29. Negative 29. That is the fourth worst two-man combination with more than 100 minutes played for any team in the NBA this year. Their defensive rating of 130.6 is the fifth worst mark of any two-man lineup in the league this entire season. More so than that, their rebounding rate is 49.5%. The two-big lineup doesn't even grab 50% of available rebounds when they're on the floor together. It's not working. And then you can look at the flip side of that when they play with a, a guy in Eugene Omarui who is the very definition of a replacement-level player in this league. He's a replacement-level power forward. Eugene Omarui and James Wiseman, plus 2.6 net rating and 121 minutes together. Omarui and Bagley, negative 1.1 and 73 minutes together. Omarui and Duran, negative 8.8 and 113 minutes together. Now, that's not great, don't get me wrong, but considering James Wiseman's only played 500 minutes for this team, he has a positive net rating in that 121 minutes with Eugene Omarui. They are getting demolished, absolutely demolished. 
demolished in these two big lineups. Out of every single two, three, four, or five-man lineup combination with both Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman, only two of them, two of them, with a combined 19 minutes of playing time, have a positive net rating. Every single other lineup has gotten demolished. There's one other lineup that has a negative net rating in single digits. They don't just lose when those two are on the floor together. They get crushed, okay? They are the third and fourth worst on the Pistons in terms of defensive rating, Bagley and Wiseman. That's only behind Boyan Bogdanovich and Jaden Ivey. They have the the worst and fourth worst net ratings. Wiseman is at negative 13.4. Negative 13.4. They've played 17 games with him. Worse than that, they have a 48.6% rebounding percentage with him on, 50.2% with him off. And here is, for me, I think, the worst part about it. Jalen Duran, before this trade, in the 27 games before James Wiseman came to the Pistons, 28.3 minutes per game. Since then, 23 minutes per game. And that's excluding the contest against Miami, where he left early with a head injury. Okay? If you include that, he's down to 21 minutes. In the same span, James Wiseman, 26 minutes per game. Marvin Bagley, 28.7 minutes per game. Over this exact same time span, Jalen Duran's Offensive rating, defensive rating, net rating, effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, rebounding percentage, foul rate, and assist percentage are all better than Bagley and Wiseman's. He has a better turnover percentage than Wiseman, despite also having an assist percentage three times higher than his. Oh, and by the way, guys, over the past 15 games, out of every single player in the league that averages more than 18 minutes of playing time, James Wiseman has the worst assist-to-turnover ratio of any player in the league, second-lowest assist percentage. I, I know I just threw a bunch of numbers at you, but, I, I mean, I was blown away. I, I genuinely, I, I, was, I knew it was bad. It wasn't until I really looked this through where I realized, I mean, it is, it's dire. The two bigs are absolutely horrible, and worse than that, it is coming at the expense of your best big man in Jalen Duran. It's directly coming at the expense of his playing time over the same stretch where he is outplaying both of the players that are playing more than him. Guys, it is, I don't know if this is a coaching issue. I don't know if it's a front office issue. I don't know whose problem it is, but it's becoming our problem. And I'm worried that it's going to continue to be a problem next year. Um, Mike, Aaron, I need to know what you have to think about this because... Uh, again, like I said, I was blown away, absolutely blown away by how bad the numbers are right now and by how poorly these players are being used when you can see much better options for them out there on the court. I'll let Aaron go first. It, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not ideal, but we also knew this was going to be the case. We said after the Wiseman trade, this isn't going to work. You have too many big men who have the same deficiencies play the same style of basketball and your idea is to put them on the court together so that you can be bigger than other teams it's the most like elementary school type of thinking possible this isn't cyo basketball where you have a couple kids who are bigger than the other team and that gives you the the only advantage you really need to win the game 
This is the NBA. These players are too skilled, too strong, too fast, too athletic. And all of these players have the same deficiencies. There's a reason that the NBA has gotten smaller and smaller and is playing smaller and smaller with sometimes no center in the lineup. Yes, there are anomalies. Cleveland is one of them. Yes, Cleveland is a division opponent, but that doesn't mean you have to copy their style because that's how they do it over there and because they had a good a good season over there. Like, yes, it's working for them, but the caliber of players that they have are not in the same stratosphere compared to Detroit. You're talking about an all-star level player in Jarrett Allen and a future all-star in Evan Mobley. We're comparing them to Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman, and the youngest player in the league, Jalen Duran. It just makes no sense. The Pistons do not have the guys to make this too big type system work. And the fact that it's coming at the expense uh, uh, of Jalen Duran, the fact that he's playing, you know, five minutes less per game is out of the starting lineup. They're not even playing him and Wiseman together, which was reportedly the, the whole concept, the whole idea of the trade itself. It's just been a poorly executed or poorly strategized decision by the front office and the coaching staff. And, you know, I know people are going to say, oh, you got to give it time. We never knew if it was going to work this season. Well, I'll give you, I'm going to spoil this for you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the spoilers. It's not going to work next season either. It's just not. So you're going to continue to see terrible numbers with these two on the court together. It is what it is. You cannot play these two bigs who have the same style of play together, especially when, you know, it's not like you're putting out some, some, some showstoppers alongside them. You know, you're putting out a rookie guard, you're putting out borderline players and Killian Hayes, Eugene Omarui, Corey Joseph, RJ Hampton. Like you're not putting out all-star guys around them to, to make it, to try to subsidize for the shortcomings of Wiseman or Durin or, or Bagley. Like, you're putting out fringe roster guys, and the results are the results. They're not, they're, you know, it's not changing next year with Boyan Bogdanovich in the mix or or another rookie in the mix or Brandon Miller in the mix. Like, that's not changing it. And, and, and Cade, Cunningham, Cade Cunningham coming back isn't changing this. Like, he's not saving this team and this style of play and these lineups. Uh, just really a poorly managed situation by Detroit, and it's, to be honest, exactly what I expected after the trade. Mike, I, I really concerning. quick. All right. Oh, I, you go ahead. No, I'm so sorry. I just quickly wanted oh, to, to jump on something that Aaron said. You brought up Mobley and Allen for Cleveland. That's a pairing that works because they can play good defense. And more so than that, and this is one of the things that Troy Weaver said when he traded for James Wiseman specifically was rebounding. We need to get rebounds. Well, Bagley and Duran have a rebounding rate of 49.5. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley have a rebounding rate of 52.2. So you don't even get, you're not a good rebounding team with these two on the floor together. You actually lose the rebounding battle when you go big. That to me is like the number one thing. If you want to compare your roster to other teams that go too big, you can't even win the rebounding battle right now. Like 
Forget defense. Forget offense. You can't even do the number one thing two big lineups are supposed to do out there. To me, it's crazy. Mike, please. Well, I like that you brought up Mobley now because that that is kind of the uh, blueprint of playing two bigs. And they're not like, like traditional two bigs that we come to think of as a big hulking center. They're both tremendous perimeter defenders. The Cavs are actually 25th in rebounds per game, shockingly enough with the two bigs, but I think that might be more so to do with their offense being pretty efficient and not generating a whole lot of misses either. And their defense generates a lot of steals, so it's a few opportunities for rebounds. But they're excellent, excellent perimeter defenders. Two of the three best on the team. Isaac Okoro is probably in there somewhere. And they're extraordinarily efficient. Evan Mobley's offense is blossoming into something that looks a little scary. And Jared Allen just is so efficient around the rim. He's he's not going to kill you on, on either end. So it's really difficult to do any comparison with the Cavs just because of how unique those two guys are. Typically, if a big gets switched into the pick and roll on somebody who is, like let's just say, for example, in a recent uh, a game against the Brooklyn Nets, Miles Bridges got a pick and got switched on to Evan Mobley and made what I justify as the worst shot attempt I've ever seen falling backwards with one hand because he obviously did not have a mismatch that, that he thought he was going to have. It's still Evan Mobley, and he's still incredibly fast. That doesn't happen with James Wiseman or Marvin Bagley. Maybe Jalen Duran gets to that point. He certainly has some more lateral quickness. It's just really hard to say that Cleveland is the blueprint when you don't have players that resemble either of their bigs. It's, it's, it's just a difficult situation to, you know, to try to gauge. And I don't know necessarily why the Pistons have decided to go with multiple bigs in this way. Cause Marvin Bagley's not, you know, if he's not going to play defense and he's not going to rebound, then he needs to be able to shoot. He needs to be able to stretch the floor or, or, or do something that spreads the offense out a little bit. And I'm going to pull the stats up. Jasper, you may already have them. What, what is Marvin Bagley shooting on anything that's outside of 20 feet, outside oh, of no. even 15 feet? Not good. I, I can tell you no. that much. I, no, I mean, uh, Marvin Bagley it can't right possibly now. possibly be good. No, I mean, Marvin Bagley right now from outside is shooting 34%. Um, that's actually not terrible. But again, yeah. you're also talking about a player who is a career 20, what, 5% shooter from deep. Um, I, I mean, he just hasn't been good. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he's right. not shooting third. I don't know where I'm getting that from. He's shooting 27% from outside. That yeah. sounds about a lot that more That sounds right. much better. That, yeah, that sounds passes, a lot more right. I'm sorry. I was, looking at on, I was looking at on off-court splits. My my apologies. Um, yeah, no, he's shooting terribly from outside. So is James Wiseman. I, right. I, I mean... And, and I think this is really the thing that we're trying to get here because I know a lot of people are going to hear us say this and be like, oh, they're crapping on Marvin Bagley. Or I don't think people have that much of an issue with that, but more so oh. <laughs> they're crapping on James Wiseman. And, and that's not really the case. While I absolutely have had and continue to have my doubts about James Wiseman, the bigger issue here is that these players are not being used properly. And that right. their talents, 
right their talents are not being evaluated properly for troy weaver to say that like we're playing two big lineups because we want to win the rebounding battle and then you lose the rebounding battle because you brought in two bigs who aren't good rebounders that to me speaks to an issue in the front office the fact that these guys are continuing to play together when the evidence is showing that it doesn't work in the same way that last year Isaiah Stewart and Marvin Bagley, two big lineups didn't work with Isaiah Stewart, who, by the way, is a much better defender and like than James Wiseman is and a better passer, too, while we're at it um, and a better rebounder for for that case. Those lineups were bad, too. So I'm now at the point where I'm looking at it. And this, to me, is a coaching issue. This is a front office talent evaluation issue. This is a roster building issue. That's the bigger problem here. Not even necessarily the individual players involved. Because like we've said, Jalen Duran has not been some world beater this year. He has not lit the world on fire. He's been very good for a rookie big man. But as of right now, we're seeing it where he's the superior player getting less minutes in a worse situation while you have two other players who haven't played as well as him getting more minutes, being able to start while they can't play well together. I don't know whose issue this is. It's either coming from the front office or it's on the coaching staff, but somebody is making a really big issue here. And while we can look at this season and say it's a lost season, wins and losses don't matter. That's not the point. The point is you tried this same thing last year and it didn't work. You're trying it again this year and it doesn't work. And there's no evidence to show us that you're not going to try it again next year and the year after that. So for me, I'm extremely worried, extremely worried looking at these numbers because it shows me an organization that doesn't know what they have, doesn't know what they want, and doesn't know what they need. And that's a big issue. That's a really big issue. And and what happens when the Pistons don't get the number one pick and don't get to draft Vic, Victor Wembanyama? And now you look at the free agent market, and it's like, who are the four slash fives that are available? Probably fours, more realistically. And it's well, Kristaps Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma are both reportedly working towards long-term extensions in Washington. So they're out. Harrison Barnes is 31 years old and already making $22 million, $21 million a year. And he's also on a great team in Sacramento that he, I'm sure, would like to stick around with. So you'd probably have to pay him damn near $30 million to leave Sacramento. There's Jeremy Grant, who is a, would be a very divisive uh, discussion point, but is one of those options that's out there. There's Christian Wood, who the Pistons could have kept years ago, but will be an unrestricted free agent. And, and you know, I don't know what Dallas's situation looks like with Luca and, and Kyrie Irving. I mean, they've got Dwight Powell, who's a, a, an unrestricted free agent as well this summer. So, you know, they might be choosing between one of those guys, but the point is, there's nobody in this free agency class to go get. There's no one to 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 change the recipe with. Like, even if you still want to run the two big system, 
if you don't get the number one pick, who the hell are you getting to interchange with Bagley or Wiseman or Jalen Duran to where you're going to conceivably expect different results? You're going to end up running it back with the same group of bigs who just are not going to work in that system because of their deficiencies. So as much of a concern as, as it is right now in what's going on currently, it's, it's, it's just as much of a concern for what this is going to look like next year when Troy Weaver is seemingly basing so much hope on landing this number one pick. If that doesn't happen, like what the hell happens with this team? Well, what Aaron, are you going to do? Aaron, Mike, riddle me this. We're, we're not even mentioning another guy on this team. Boyan Bogdanovich. Where's he playing next year? Well, he's what position is he playing? as the four. He's best yeah, he's as the four, the right? four, probably, yes. yes. Okay, I would so, where, so, yes. so where are you playing him next year? You have Isaiah Stewart, Marvin Bagley, uh, James Wiseman, and Jalen Duren. Where are you playing him in the, in the front court next year? Where you're going to play him at small forward? Are you, you are you kidding me? To. Is that a joke? No, I, I'm I'm at the point right now where I've actually realized, and we will get into this, I, I'm sure in the in the dog days of summer. I'm I'm very much convinced the Pistons are going to have to trade um, two of the three of Marvin Bagley, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Isaiah Stewart this offseason. Two of them, two of those guys have to go. There's just no way you can upgrade the roster and find playing time for Wiseman and Duran unless you unless you get rid of them. There's, it's just not feasible. And like you said, Aaron, and I think that was a great point, the free agency guys, you're going to have to pay them a lot. I think that the only way they're going to be able to upgrade that roster and the front court position, they're going to have to make a trade. There's going to have to be a, a sign-in trade of some sort. Um, there's going to have to be, I mean, maybe Jalen Brown doesn't make an all NBA team this year. I, I mean, really you're, you're looking at some dicey propositions here. There are definitely trades that can be worked out, but like, yeah, I, I don't see how you can bring somebody in in free agency. You don't have the space. You have too many guys under contract. So you're going to have to get, I, 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 maybe you guys see another answer here, but to me, I don't think you can upgrade this roster unless you get rid of two of those three guys in your front court. And frankly, I think you're going to have a really hard time bringing in a free agent either way. So yeah, this is something we will get into more further, but I think they are in a really much more difficult position than people seem to realize this off season, even with the draft capital, even with the cap space, like they, they are going to have some, Big moves they're going to have to make this offseason if they're going to stick to their plan of being good next year. Forgetting the next year. They want to be good right. the year after that. They want to be good the year after that. They need to make significant moves this offseason. God forbid you don't get Webanyama. I mean, really? And if you get Scoot Henderson, Jesus. I mean, how much more of a mess can this roster become? And that's why, and I know we should probably wrap here you know soon but that's why this whole this whole storyline over the years that's been 2023 is is going to be the year for the pistons that's when they're gonna you know push the eggs in that's when they're gonna make their move and 
that's when they're going to be, you know, playing in the playoffs. Like that's going to be the year that they make that jump. Troy Weaver's told Boyan Bogdanovich he's making some big moves this offseason. He's going and getting them the the what they need and and this and that over the years. But I look at this roster and I see, you know, 10, 10 roster spots or whatever that are not accounted for. And I see the current roster construction and I say, I don't really see the fit. I don't really see how you build a scheme around this group that's going to work on really either end of the court. It's not like, you know, it's not like for all their deficiencies defensively that that Wiseman and Bagley or Wiseman and Duren or Bagley and Duren, whatever the, the combination is, it's let's not act like they're getting that back on the offensive side of the court either. Like it's still a mess. It's still a mess. So I, I'm just sitting here and, and, I, and I'm looking at the situation and I see, well, I thought 2023 was going to be the year. That's that's what was told. And and now the narrative is going to change and the story is going to change and it's going to be, well, they need another year. You know, Kate going out ended up really ruining everything. Somehow that's going to be the, the, the story. So yeah. I, I just sit here and it's like, again, people will, will, will be on their deathbeds defending Troy Weaver. They'll, they'll be on their deathbed defending everything that's that, that this organization has done. And I don't blame them. Like this isn't a fan base that in the past, you know, decade or whatever, decade and a half that, that has seen good basketball. That is, I guess they don't really have any expectations. So, so they're willing to give these guys a chance. Uh, I guess I'm just a little bit different in that sense where I'm not. And I'm sitting here and I'm just like, when do we start to question it? When are we allowed to start questioning it without just being labeled as a hater? And, and how could you uh, dare say something negative about Troy Daddy Weaver and all this BS? That's <laughs> uh, Ooh, Daddy Troy! Literally. And so it's like, I, I just sit here and I'm like, I'm very curious to see how this team gets to where the, we've been, it has been spoon-fed to us that 2023, 2024 is a year since last summer. Uh I'm very interested to see how they get there, and I'm very interested to see what is spun to change that storyline to be, well, they needed another year because this, this, and this happened. So here, here's so, my here, well, here's my daddy right. Troy impersonation real quick. <laughs> um you're um you're a very uh, uh bad girl. Um yeah. It's 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 Take, a good thing that they uh, took away it. the downloads uh, on YouTube. <laughs> It's whatever. I, I genuinely could not care what people think. Like I'm allowed to share my opinion, and hey, people come to this show every week to listen. It's to it's warranted. It's it's, it's warranted because if we can figure this out, I hope to God that Troy Weaver and the front office can figure this out. If if uh, we could go and do, <laughs> if drop, we can go on to, a player, <laughs> if if we can uh, go on to cleaning the glass or NBA.com and find these on-off numbers and these pairings and see, oh, this is really horrible. If we can do that, this front office definitely can do that. And I'm looking at the free agency class for this offseason, and it's pretty barren, uh, especially when you remove Kyle Kuzma and Chris Depp's Porzingis, and you don't want to overpay a Harrison Barnes, and you don't want to pay a, uh, you know, a 29-year-old Jeremy Grant, and you don't want to pay hardly anything for a 33-year-old Draymond Green, as as interesting as that would be. You don't want to overpay for Kevin Love, who would stretch uh, the floor, but he has not done that very well at all this year, just period. The options are are, are pretty barren, and Jasper, I think you're right. If they're going to get better, they're going to have to make a trade, and they have to move two of those bigs, 
And I don't know how many picks you have to attach to Marvin Bagley to get him off this roster, but you're going to have to attach some of them and you're going to get something that's not great back. Maybe hopefully it's a win, but it's probably not going to be something significant. And if you trade Isaiah Stewart, well, I mean, kind of thought that might happen throughout the year. Uh, we've kind of been pushing this this whole season up as as a evaluation year, and you got to decide if you're going to sign some of these guys to extensions. And Sadiq Bay is obviously not going to get one. And I think if you trade Isaiah Stewart, that's again punting on another Troy Weaver draft pick, and that's a bad look. But I think you're right. You're going to have to move on from a couple of these guys. I don't want to trade. Bogdanovich, if I can help it, because that's the one guy who can stretch the floor. And he's like the only wing that's left, aside from Isaiah Livers, who can't stay healthy and can't get on the court. So, so yeah, but you can't you can't play him at small forward defensively. And, and actually, I think cannot, that's actually no. and that's the crazy part. We've spent so much time talking about this. We haven't even gotten into how these two big lineups affect other players. Um you know, a, a podcast host from a, a rival podcast of ours. I'm not going to say his name, but it starts with a K, and his last name also starts with a K. No free um, marketing. <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't say who it was. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all right. Uh, but no, he he pointed out, he went over the last nine games of shot charts, and you can literally see where Jaden Ivey and Killian Hayes, how their shot charts are affected by these two big lineups versus one big lineups. When they have one big on the floor, they're able to get to the rim and they're able to finish. When they have two big lineups on the floor, the shot charts are a disaster. I mean, Jaden Ivey, it looks like a Rorschach test. I mean, Jackson Pollock would would faint at looking at these shot charts. They're everywhere. <laughs> it's just splashes of color all over the court. I mean, we don't even have the time to get into it, but like, yes, Bogdanovich, like that's another reason why I brought him up. These are players, it's not just about the bigs. It's about everyone else. How do they play around them? They can't. Like they can't play around them. And especially when you bring Kate Cunningham back into the fold, it, none of this works. It's just not going to work. So I, I, I don't really have much else to say. I mean, I could actually talk about it all day long, but like that's it. It just would be going over all the ways that this is affecting the team negatively. But um, yeah, I know we got to wrap, but I, but I want to end. I want to end with this. Look at the Pistons roster, and this is an exercise you can do. You know, you could this can be your homework for 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 next week's show to to all <laughs> all of our listeners. Right here's your homework. Go through this Pistons roster right now, and you can include all the guys that aren't playing. So you know, Cunningham, Stewart, whatever. All those guys. Go through the roster. And, and tell me who's coming back to this team next year and how those guys are going to contribute to this team being a playoff team. Because play in, play in team. After not even playoff, play in. Right. After Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, and Boyan Bogdanovich, like maybe. Yeah, maybe Bogdanovich. You know, I assume Alec Burks will be back. But after that, Go through the rest of that roster. Go through that. And, and if you have six other guys coming back that are on this roster outside of those first five, like, hope you know it's going to be another 25-win season. It's going to be a 30-win season. Because if they are bringing back Stuart Wiseman, Livers, Corey Joseph, and 
Marvin Bagley, like, you're not getting any better. There are your minutes. Your minutes are going back to these guys that have such clear deficiencies. So go go through that roster and, and tell me how many of these guys are going to be able to come back next year and contribute to this team getting to just the play and let alone playoffs. Very interested to see how many you think. Because if you think that you're bringing back 11 of these guys next year and you're going to make that 20-win jump that you need to make, say la vie. Say la vie. <laughs> uh, you're being very, you're being very disrespectful to Daddy Troy right now, Aaron. I was going to say, Aaron said Daddy Troy Weaver, and then assigned homework to all of the listeners. <laughs> what yeah, is Daddy this Troy. podcast? I don't know. Here, wait, I can make it work. Uh, wait, here, I got one. Um, uh, my name is T R to the O Y. I think paying big men that suck is so fly. Uh, <laughs> uh, Daddy Troy. <laughs> Is Eugene Amarui on the roster next year? We we have to end on no. something positive. No, no. Again, he has the high, he is he has the best differential on the roster at plus sixteen point two in two hundred and seventy seven minutes. Yeah, this is one of those things where like um, I don't know, somebody punching you in like the stomach is not as bad as them kicking you in the balls. They're both still pretty bad though and i'd personally prefer neither so that's how i look at that situation if you're bringing back killian hayes rj hampton rodney mcgruder eugene omarui rj hampton etc etc you might as well just start studying up on the 2024 top three picks again because that's that's where this team will be headed and they still might be headed there anyway but if you're bringing back all those guys i don't think they're gonna bring them back you know i don't think so either no I mean, look, if people can say, oh, well, uh, you're wrong. You know, they add another top pick and they get back Cade. Brother, look at the Charlotte Hornets, man. Like, look at that roster. Like, look yeah. how terrible they are. It doesn't work like Lon- that. Lonzo Ball's an all-star. If if Cade's an all-star, what does that mean? Everybody's got – every, even the bad teams have, like, at least one all-star and another one or two guys that are borderline stars. Even the like the bad teams. I'm not talking about the dreck of the league, which is Detroit, uh, uh, San Antonio, and Houston. Like those guys don't. Every other team has at least one All Star level player on their roster. All of them. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It's it's true. Well, there'll be a lot of interesting roster decisions. I I think the podcast flew a little bit off the handle, but. I think I have two hands back on the handle. I still and, think uh, it's the best show we've done in a minute. I thought this was a great, great conversation. Uh, Daddy it is. Mike, it is. Daddy Mike is going <laughs> to take control. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm going to uh, hit one of you with that skillet. <laughs> uh, That's how it's going to go, like Foghorn Leghorn. Well, as long as hey, if we can switch you with Killian Hayes, I like my chances. <laughs> Uh, I don't have the ball handling. Um, no. Yeah, but he doesn't but have the aim, so you're. I'm it's, fine. It's possible. Buddy Bayheim year two coming up. Buddy Bayheim <laughs> keep loading. Jasper oh, would God. be totally fine with that. Yeah, that one I'm okay with. Bring back Buddy. Give 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 Buddy all of the minutes at the backup two and call. Oh God! Up. All right, I'm advocating for Buddy Bayheim. We got to stop, fellas. <laughs> right, I think we've gone all the way back now. Now we are the dredges of this podcast. The, oh my god! Like he's we are he's, we are the dreck of the podcast, dude. He's the new uh, he's the new Gigi Tome. I love it. Oh my gosh! So I actually like Eugene. 
They can't you even did. play Buddy Beheim <laughs> in these meaningless games because even they know, like, like even Buddy Beheim knows, like, I legitimately can't go out there. There's just there's you, you, there's just no way you could put me out there. Like, okay, well, much like oh. us, Buddy's Buddy's just doing the best he can at the end of an ugly season. All right, so cut him some slack, please. <laughs> it's a good show. Wasn't Tyler Cook? Didn't everyone fall in love with Tyler Cook? Yeah, like two years. Yes. Oh God. Tyler Cook where, is where? Where is Tyler Cook at? I don't know, man. Where are any of us at? Where are we? Where are we going? What Boy is like? Is another one. Uh, I actually like the way that. Bit, but. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did too. Okay, so we are ending the podcast on something positive, at least. Yeah, the white bikes was cool. I liked them. <laughs> yeah, I did too. He, he can make some plays, you know. Oh, uh, what's Will Bynum up to? Oh, oh my God, Bynum! Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be so cool. I would bring incredible. back Will Bynum, dude. I would bring back Will Bynum. Like he could just stand at half court and throw lobs. Like I don't care. That's all you have to do. Get on my team. Yeah. Get on my squad. Oh, I might <laughs> be. Get the hands on the wheels. We gotta go. We gotta go. Okay, okay, okay. This has been a good podcast. Good discussions, and they're honest you know concerns we want the pistons to be a good team but we're pointing out some of the some of the problem areas and there's data that backs this up and the eye test certainly backs up that data for sure um Uh, the two big lineups are just a very questionable decision and you know hey if the decision is let's lose a bunch of basketball games to maximize our chances at Wemby, we probably didn't need to do the two big thing to to get to that point but it has certainly maximized the loss efficiency um but the data just says it really doesn't work right now so oh god yeah yeah pretty much Sorry. yeah welcome to the uh, season yeah. folks right so um we're gonna have more honest discussions heading on through to the end of the season and uh, we hope you'll be sticking around with us we'll certainly have some content about wrapping up season player reviews and then before you know it, it'll be time to talk about the nba draft and we hope you'll be joining us for that as well so for my co-host jasper apollonia and Aaron uh, Johnson, no. i am mike anguilano oh i'm sorry no there's daddy no troy jasper Weaver. yeah you're talking to daddy oh troy right Got now it. jasper's not well, here then i have more questions <laughs> uh, <laughs> i have a lot more questions okay so for my two co-hosts maybe three co-hosts actually if we include the bipolar jasper and uh slash daddy troy weaver I, Mike Angolano, thank you for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. And once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Bet Online, for sponsoring this episode. And we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.